Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello, UCF and USF fans, and welcome to the War on I-4 podcast on the actual week of the War on I-4 football game. Uh, This is very exciting for for all of us involved with this pod that we finally gotten to this point. It's been quite the football season for both schools in um, somewhat opposite ways, but we have arrived at what it finally is. Thanksgiving week, the game comes on Black Friday every year. Uh, I'm Jeremy Taché representing UCF, and uh, I'll be joined by a couple of different people today here on this pod with somewhat different responsibilities on the pod today. Uh, First, it's going to be Josh Appel. Josh, as you guys know, is a USF grad, but Josh, uh, I got to give Josh a little bit of credit and, and a little bit of love here. He's way more qualified for any of this than any of us are. I'm just sitting here throwing random BS at you guys for UCF trying to say, hey, we're a playoff team. Josh is actually uh, watching football in person every week. Uh, He is a play-by-play broadcaster for Sports Media USA. He has done national calls ranging from Lambeau Field to Arrowhead Stadium. Last week, he was in Washington for the Redskins-Texans game. And this week, he will be calling the Warren I-4 UCF-USF game between the Bulls and the Knights in Tampa for Sports Media USA. So Josh is playing a little bit more of the Herb Street role for us today, where he's going to throw all biases out the window, although UCF fans would argue that Herb Street does not do that. But uh, he's throwing all biases out the window. Um, I actually appreciated Herb Street's broadcast this past weekend. Um, I've heard that it was... The reality is every broadcaster hates your team. Everybody hates us, and they should. Uh, I'm just talking in general. Every broadcaster hates every team. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of that, but <laughs> as, as broadcasters, every- our main goal going into every broadcast is to make it perfectly known that we hate your specific team that you root for, whether it's UCF, whether it's the Texans or the Redskins, whether it's Alabama or whether it's Florida or Miami. I just, we, our goal is to make sure that you know that we hate your team. Now you know that Josh is a real professional broadcaster because I clearly hit a, hit a sensitive subject there. But it's uh, so ridiculous. It's one of the most ridiculous complaints that I've really gotten is, that we and that broadcasters in general get. We don't hate your team, right? Except for Josh, who hates UCF. So uh, going forward, uh, Josh, Josh will actually. If there's one person that I know that will be able to give a down the middle, legitimate professional call, it's Josh Appel, and I'm very excited to listen to his call. This weekend, I know I'm going to be doing the Chris Whittingham and watching uh, the game on TV on a delay while listening to Josh's broadcast, and I look forward to it. So, Oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. Everyone should do that. Yes, I would recommend it. So uh, all of that lead up to say, hey, UCF, USF, uh, very different paths over the last month. Um, About a month ago. That's putting it lightly. About a month ago, both of these teams were ranked in the AP poll. Uh, USF had climbed up to 23. They were 7-0. Since then, they have lost four in a row. They're giving up 40 points per game during that stretch. They had a 17-0 lead against Temple at the half this past week and then gave up 27 unanswered and lost the game. Uh, Charlie Strong... eh, seems to be struggling with his team and with getting a grasp on what is going wrong for them. Um, And these two teams seem to match up very differently Uh, on the other side, UCF, obviously just on primetime eight o'clock home game against Cincinnati ranked Cincinnati this past week, put on a show. Um, UCF is the number six scoring offense, the number six total offense, number two in total uh, turnover margin, number nine in rushing offense, number 28 in passing offense. Meanwhile, USF defensively, uh, number 88 in scoring offense, they're, or scoring defense, rather. They're giving up 31 a game uh, to UCF's offense, who's scoring almost 44 a game. So UCF's is more likely than not going to put points on the board. They've scored 30-plus in 23 straight games. Um, and Josh, 
you know, obviously. I actually, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, but I believe that if UCF scores 30 on Friday, I believe that breaks USF's record or comes close to breaking USF's record. I believe it would tie USF's record for, for the amount of, uh, a streak with 30 plus scores. So it would be ironic if that came against USF. Um, obviously rubbing salt in the wound a little bit uh, for, for USF fans. It's, it's a complicated matchup here because for the last few years, this game has been close. Obviously last year was arguably uh, for me. Eh, last year it was close. The no. years before that, it wasn't fair. It was no. like, so the USF, the last time I played in Tampa, uh, Marlon Mack ran away with it at the end. That was the six True. and six first year of Scott Frost. The year before that was when we clinched your helped you clinch. I can't say we right now. When USF helped clinch yes. UCF's zero and twelve season the year before that, and then the prior year that was a sixteen nothing game, which USF had chances to score and be in that game. Mm-hmm. However, for one reason or another, I believe Mike White, the starting quarterback, got hurt in that game. But with the backup, they had a wide open fake field goal that would have been a touchdown. That, yeah, they uh, did. Somebody made a bad throw. They on. did. I forgot about uh, that. It was game. sixty nothing. Like that's a game that you know. Yeah, that it was, was when USF before they had turned the, the corner. Yes. So um, I hope that it's something like last year, but I have a feeling it'll be something like two years ago, the last time they played at Ray J, where it's close for a bit, and then one team starts to pull away. Yeah, I imagine that that will be uh, the outcome of this game. Last year, if, if for those of you who are either listening to this pod. Um, because you're interested in what we have to say because Josh is a legitimate professional, uh, or because now all of a sudden you want to know a little bit about UCF or USF. Uh, last year was a 49-42 game. UCF won on a kick return for a touchdown by Mike Hughes. To give you some perspective, uh, ESPN ranked last year's USF-UCF game as the third best game of the season behind number one, which was the national championship between Alabama and Georgia, and number two, the Rose Bowl between Oklahoma and Georgia. It was number three behind right. those two. Right. It was, it was a, a game for the ages. Let, to put it in perspective, Quinton Flowers had 503 passing yards and four touchdowns and 100 rushing yards and a touchdown, and they lost. McKenzie like it wasn't that UCF got a stop at the end. Nope. They had the kick return for a touchdown. USF was driving to tie the game again after they fumble. had were down eight the previous drive, and Quentin Flowers pulled magic out of his hat, hit a long pass to, I believe, Darnell Solomon, and then they did one of those uh, roll to the right, throw back to the left, two-point conversion plays that worked mm-hmm. to Dearness Johnson. Um, and so all the momentum was back to USF, you felt, and they kicked the ball off for whatever reason to – who was it, Mike Hughes? Mike Hughes, yep. First and Mike Hughes, with the Vikings, got hurt, uh, takes it back. I don't think anybody even came close to touching him. Nope. 49-42, still plenty of time on the clock the way U.S. had been moving the ball. They weren't going to be stopped. Uh, they get a first down, I believe, right around midfield or past midfield. And as Mitchell Wilcox was trying to get, like, extra yardage, he fumbled it just before his knee hit the ground. And, like, it's one of those plays where – you know how uh, fans get mad at players uh, for making mistakes? That's one of those where it's like – my first thought was – I can't, my, my, my heart dropped at that point. That was, I had called Miami and Pittsburgh earlier that day. Uh, that was Miami's first loss of the season. And really, at the time, I don't think anybody expected it to start the slide that Miami's on, but <laughs> right. it did. And I, my first thought was, oh, I can't believe that just happened. And then it was, God, I feel so bad for Mitchell Wilcox. He was just trying to make oh. a play. And it was just a, a better play by the defender to force the fumble there. And so that's how that game ended. And, you know, you have that taste in your mouth and you figure, all right, 7-0, 7-0 at the time uh, this season. Obviously, USF had struggled to get to their 7-0. and When you look at 38-30 over UConn, uh, 25-24, meaning that last-minute comeback against Tulsa, 20-13 uh, to 13 over ECU at home, 25-19 to 19 against Illinois on the road. I mean, there were signs that this was coming for USF, but at the end of the day, they were, you know, finding ways to win games. And you can deal with your struggles if you're still finding a way to get to win right. games. But what they ran into – were better teams. Houston, Tulane's uh, a game away from being bowl eligible. Impeach. At Cincinnati, which is a tough game. Um, and then at Temple. And in the last two games, USF has had a halftime lead, and they haven't been able to finish it. Last week against Temple, USF's defense played probably its best game of the season. Um, Rock Armstead, the previous week, uh, I believe what he scored. Uh, he had, what, four, five, six touchdowns, something like that? The week oh, before. it was insane. It was insane. I can look that up if, if you'd like me to find it. Um, so while you talk, I'll look that up. 
Yeah, I don't remember the actual number um, that it was for Armstead, but I believe he had over 200 yards rushing and had at least four touchdowns um, for Temple. I believe that was against Houston um, in the game before they played USF. And USF's defense played incredibly well. They held uh, Temple to 73 yards rushing and 337 total yards. And that's enough to win the game. It was 27-17 the final score. But the last two scores, one was a special teams punt return, and the other one was a fumble return for a touchdown. And so their self-inflicted wounds, uh, USF jumped out to a 17-0 lead in the Temple game and had a chance to add on more before the half, and they decided to sit on the ball, and they, try, and they played it conservative. And then in the second half, they were averaging under four yards per play in the second half. They couldn't do anything. And I think Blake Barnett was still hampered by that shoulder injury he suffered against Tulane. But, like, it was evident. Like, if he – I know he said it, he wasn't in any pain. But if, if you're hurting, man, like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's and okay. uh, so I'll be curious to see, um, especially on a short week, um, how Barnett looks against UCF um, on Friday. They'll, they'll, they'll have to – we'll have to see the offense that uh, was putting up 34, 49, uh, 58, 38 in the big, towards the beginning of, the, you know, the first half of the year where they were – accumulating a lot of yards um i believe they had uh what was it well the game against um, illinois they had they 600 had... yards against right. uh uconn in, right in late october before yes. the game was a lot closer um than it actually or wasn't as close as ended up being i don't think i mean it was i believe it was 31 14 or 38 14 at one point um but still i mean the final score was a one possession game but they put up 600 yards and the offense hasn't quite looked like that since the third quarter of the Houston game a few weeks ago. Um, it was abysmal against Tulane. Um, Cincinnati, they were fine. But in the second half, again, they just fell apart. And the same thing happened against Temple last week. And you mentioned at the beginning of, the, of when we started this, um, UCF's got one of the most electric offenses in the country. And um, Temple, to their credit, they're a, I would say they're a pretty good offense. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they're not UCF. And so while it's great that they improved um, against Temple, they're going to need an effort just like that on Friday if they're going to have any chance um, to beat UCF. But, like, you look at comments from Charlie Strong, um, and it just flat out I, – I, I, you know, we always talk about how, you know, we wish coaches were more honest. We wish, we wish players were more <laughs> honest um, in the press. And then when they say things that are honest, we also jump down their throats. Yes. He said that it's pretty clear that they're lacking confidence – right now um and he also said he hopes that ucf fans don't take over raymond james stadium and of course ucf uh social media has run with that immediately thing now and so uh here we are look uh it's a rivalry game um i don't think you can say one way or another that you know one team's gonna run away with it i think a great example of that um is 2013 uh the blake bortles year when ucf mm -hmm. won the fiesta bowl uh, usf went in there with their two and nine record um, had a lead in the, in the fourth quarter. They needed a Blake Bortles pass to, I believe it was Brashad Perryman. That was, uh, and then USF was driving at the end to get in the field goal range. They had a missed field goal as well earlier in that fourth quarter. And that was a close game. That was one of USF's worst teams ever with a freshman quarterback yeah. on the road in that environment in the middle of, at the time, what was UCF's best season. Right. So one way or another to write things off as a guarantee, eh, I don't think so. It's not uh, it's a rivalry game and USF's at home. It might not look like a home game. Thing. Probably going to be a lot of black and gold in the stands. But, um, again, end of the day, cliche machine, Josh Chappelle, it is a rivalry game, and, you know, you always get up for rivalry games. Right. So a couple of things that uh, – so going back to, to what you had mentioned before. About that was very long-winded, Adam. I mean, wow. I don't really think there was a point to what I was just saying. You actually Whatever. spoke. You actually spoke here for a little bit. Normally it's just, oh, Jeremy, shut up. Uh, so – uh, what you spoke of of Armstead and USF's uh, rushing defense, you're correct. He had 210 yards and six touchdowns against Houston. Last week against USF, 26 attempts for 64 yards and a touch. I mean, that's, that's a solid run defense. And, and, oh, absolutely. And, and that's, a, that's a run defense against, again, uh, going into last week, I was actually on uh, the main flagship podcast for five reasons, talking about, um, the UCF Cincinnati game and Cincinnati same strength rushing defense uh, and they shut down UCF's rushing game in the first half UCF had seven rushing yards in the first half but Mackenzie Milton made some big plays on third down a couple of really you know, well that's the one that's pass to Trey Nixon has struggled mightily in this year is, right. is on third down and so that's something to, to watch on Friday as well 
it could come down again to Mackenzie Milton going out and making plays. He had a couple of pinpoint passes last week. Um, what you do point out is you are correct. This is a rivalry game at the end of the day. Uh, USF, although they've lost four in a row, looked better for parts of that Temple game. Um, didn't com- you know? Str- didn't struggle the last two weeks in the same way that it, it, it looked the two weeks prior. Don't um, get it twisted though; they definitely struggled the last two weeks. It's not as bad as it was the first two losses, though. Is my oh, only agreed. point, especially defensively. Um, Agreed. This is a team that did win seven games to start the year. It's a very talented football team and rivalry games. You throw them up in the air. Um, UCF also, you know, like we said, you just said short week. Uh, UCF played Saturday night in primetime college game day. There, there's a hangover effect to that. It's almost I, I, I almost feel as a I am you know, just being biased as a UCF supporter, I'm almost glad it's the rivalry game as opposed to just some other random game because this is the ultimate setup for a letdown week. You've already clinched a conference, uh, your co- side of the conference. You're going to the conference champion championship. This is an easy game to theoretically overlook, but because it's a rivalry game, because it's at Raymond James Stadium, because you know what's on the line, theoretically this team should be able to step up to the challenge i i want to uh give i want to say something about last week last saturday Mm -hmm. objectively speaking that was an amazing scene in orlando from college game day to the actual game that is everything that schools like usf and ucf dream about that is a once in a lifetime thing that happened at UCF on Saturday. And they took advantage of the spotlight and it made the university look incredible. Um, <laughs> as much as it pained me <laughs> to, to watch that in the middle of what USF is going through right now, I mean, that was awesome. Like, how could, you, how could anybody watch that and not say like, wow, like as, as a neutral observer, that was incredible. The scene there was incredible. And it's what I always, I circle back to this. Now, maybe not to the extent that you guys have pushed the national championship thing, but if USF was in the position that UCF was in at the end of last season, undefeated with a win over Auburn in a New Year's Day, a New Year's Six Bowl, I, I would hope that we would have a similar uh, PR push mm-hmm. of what about us? Because at the end of the day, that's all this is. It's what about us? You know, it's good for the group of five that a school like UCF is doing this. Mm-hmm. So I can't say that if USF was in the exact same position, I wouldn't be beating the drum the same way. I, I'd like to think that not to the same extent because I do think a, a lot of it is over the top. Of course. But look, at the, like, <laughs> all anybody's talking about is UCF around the country it's crazy all they're talking about so from that perspective smashing success right it was a point that uh it was a conversation i had i was at game day and then at the game last week and it was a conversation i had with someone there saying how alabama this season might have the single greatest team of all time and all anyone's talking about is ucf like it's crazy exactly yeah it's crazy it's crazy and that you can be in a situation like that. It means a lot, obviously, coming from from you as someone on the opposite side of the spectrum in terms of what you would want in terms of success for UCF. But I've never been to the stadium felt like that. And I, maybe that you're going to have, there's going to be people from the traditional schools or whatever that turn around and say, oh, well, it's because you haven't been to real games. I'll tell you, you know, obviously they call it the bounce house and it literally bounces. Uh, I can confirm. I've been there. It was electric i was at some big ucf games over over the years obviously from the time i got to ucf there's been kind of a roller coaster of emotions but that game and that atmosphere was like nothing i've ever experienced before and to cause two a delay a game and a false start off the top because of the noise um it it, was nuts it, it was crazy and it was um it was everything i've ever hoped for as a ucf fan True. The way the way that USF fans talk about beating West Virginia in 2007 and the stadium shaking there um, mm-hmm. after the Ben Moffat pick six of right. uh, Pat White, 
the way that USF fans talk about that is how UCF fans will talk about that Cincinnati game. Forever. That's a game that, that theoretically may have changed uh, UCF football as a program for, forever uh, just because of, of the national spotlight and the feeling that people had. I mean, I, I can still go back to this, and, and I always will. The 0-12 season, uh, I don't remember what our last home game was, but I remember walking in. USF. Uh, oh, it was USF, correct. Um, okay, so not the USF game because I wasn't at the USF game, but I, I had gone to every other home game that season. And um, I remember walking in with uh, my friend Randy, and we, were, we had gone to every game thus far, and the team was obviously struggling. And we got on the shuttle bus from our apartment over to the stadium 25 minutes before the game. We got there five minutes before the game started and sat in the front row of the student section because there were probably 35 other students at the game. I mean, really legitimately. And now the student section fills up both end zones. It fills up not only both. That was, and that was only a one end zone student section. Now not only does it fill up both end zones, the gates opened at 630. And I'll be honest, so if any UCF personnel is listening, I am sorry. But if my brother and, and myself were going to try to sneak into the student section with a couple friends of ours that are still students. We showed up to the gate. We showed up to the gate where the students were supposed to be let in. And it was such mayhem 30 minutes before they were opening the gates that I, we gave up and just said, you know what, we'll just go sit at our regular seats. By 6.35, after they opened the gates at 6.30, both end zones were full of students. And as, as an avid UCF football supporter, um, as a supporter of the university, <laughs> as a supporter of the university um, you know, that I am an alumnus of, it was something special to see uh, on national TV. And it, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was just a pretty cool moment. Um, but so, so let me just get your, your final thoughts here before I let you go, Josh. Um, you know, you are calling the game. Um, I guess maybe some key things. With Doug with, Plank, by the way. With Doug Plank. Um, and so, again, Sports Media USA. I, I really suggest that everyone listen to Josh's call. I, I, I've listened to uh, I will. Uh, I will post the link um, on Twitter, and I'm sure that Jeremy will retweet it from whatever accounts Absolutely. he wants to. But uh, follow me on Twitter also, at Josh Appel, and mm-hmm. uh, you'll find the link there. But, again, I'm sure it will be retweeted. And, if you're, yeah, if you're not following us, it's at War on I4 Podcast. Um, so, Josh, you, you are calling this game. Um, you know, there's obviously uh, some keys here. You know, Mackenzie Milton's been playing much better over the last couple of weeks since, since seemingly recovering from injuries. Although, my God, my heart sank during that first strip sack for a fumble and a, and a uh, touchdown. Yeah, your, your, the, your season kind of flashed before oh, your eyes. Right in front of, yeah, right in front of my eyes. I was like, oh, God, it's all ending right now on national TV. Uh, but very first play too, it was very first try. Yeah, it was, it was absolute. You, it went from, I couldn't hear myself talk to, you could hear a a pin drop in the stadium. Um, but with this game between Mackenzie Milton, UCF's running game versus USF's running defense, Blake Barnett, and maybe his, his health or lack thereof and, and his efficiency, you know, what are you, what are you looking for in this game? It's a rivalry game that I, there's no way this game isn't close, at least for two and a half, three quarters. So what do you think are maybe the key differences that, that might make, you don't have to pick, but the things that, that could make this game go one way or another? Well, here's, it starts here, number one. Charlie Strong has to coach an aggressive game, and Sterling Gilbert has to pull out some creativity on the offense. It gets way too predictable um, offensively. Uh, with USF's offense. Um, we need more aggressive. I can't say we. <laughs> USF <laughs> needs to be way more aggressive in the way they approach this game. Uh, it's the last regular season game of the season. You're eliminated from any chance of making the conference championship game, obviously. Um, you're already clinched. You've already clinched a bowl game. There's no reason that at home you should not be pulling out all the stops and being as aggressive as possible. Anytime you're in plus territory, in fact, anytime you're at the Minus 45 or further, and it's fourth and three or less, I'm going for it every time. I want to see some fake punts. I want to see some creativity. I want to see some shots taken down the field. I want to see the USF use the middle of the field, too, which is something they really haven't done on offense. Um, Defensively, they need to do well on first down. They can't get UCF in second and third and medium and third and short because they're going to get owned all day uh, Mm -hmm. like that. They're not going to be able to get off the field. 
And that brings us to another thing. It's great to have you uh, uh, to force third and longs or third and mediums, but in those situations, you have to get off the field. And as we said earlier, that's something that USF has struggled in. Um, it's, you're not, the, the reality is UCF is going to get theirs offensively. It's going to happen. It's just what it is. That's mm-hmm. what it's been like for two and a half years, basically, uh, for this offense. So uh, you have to be able to get stops and force a couple of turnovers, have to, every right. now and again. Um, and you have to win the field position battle. Because if you're backed up all the time and you're giving them the ball at the 40-yard line every time, it's not going to be a recipe for success. Mm-hmm. Um, that running game for UCF is explosive. USF has to stay disciplined on defense. Um, but again, there's only so much you can do. Um, mm-hmm. UCF has uh, UC fast. I mean, like, right. it, it is what it is. Um, right. USF has also been dealing with some injuries on both sides of the ball. But at the same time, roll the ball out there, line up, and let's play. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm ready for this. Um, been ready for it. It's going to be a, a great atmosphere. Uh, they've already sold over 50,000 tickets for the game. Um, that's already a uh, it's already indication how many UCF fans are coming to the game. Right. But uh, which makes it all the more important that USF gets off to a fast start at home to kind of silence those fans. And they're, again, I can't say it enough. UCF is going to get, go on a run at some point. They're going to get theirs. It's going to happen. It's just the reality. USF has to weather that storm. They have to be aggressive on their end and take care of their own business. And uh, if they do that, I think we could see a game that gets decided in the fourth quarter either way. If not, I think UCF runs away with it. All right. I, I, I tend to agree with a lot of what, what Josh said right there. Uh, this should be a close game. Uh, just personally for me, seeing my friend get to call a nationally uh, broadcasted game of his, his college uh, is a pretty cool moment for me personally. So I can only imagine how it feels for Josh. Um, Josh, con- congrats on getting to do that. And uh, I look forward to listening to your yeah, call. Yeah, I mean, it's, thank you. It's, it's my first, it's the first USF football game that I'll be calling. Really the first, no, I shouldn't say USF any game. I've done USF baseball the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the first USF football game I've called since the Miami Beach Bowl against Western Kentucky in 2015. Oh, so uh, this is a, a cool, a cool full circle moment for me, um, selfishly on Friday. It's, it's never about us. The, the, the story is obviously the game, but on a personal level, yeah. um, I believe we're doing the game from the same booth that student radio broadcasts in, That's which awesome. brings it even more for full circle than it already was before. So Friday will be a cool day. I've got my best friend from college uh, as my spotter uh, on Friday as well. So that'll be cool. Um, I just hope we get a good game. Yep. And, and, and it will be. Um, and if you were, if you were looking for trash talk, you didn't get it, but you will uh, after we come back from this quick break, I'll be back with uh, Tito Benach, uh, who, who sucks. You know, he went to USF. Ooh, Tito. <laughs> you know, Tito thinks I hate him. Yeah, that's, that's a fun story. Do we want to get into that? Do we want to just for fun here? Yeah, why not? Okay, yeah, right. so I was the sports director at USF student radio station when I was um, in school. And Tito obviously went to USF as well. And he worked with us in student radio. And he traveled with me and he did a lot of our games. I gave him a ton of opportunities because of the crop of people that we had. He was one of our more dedicated ones and one of the more knowledgeable ones. Um, I let Tito, I let Tito, Tito <laughs> did the bowl game <laughs> in 2015. Um, he did plenty of broadcasts. He traveled to a couple as well. But for some reason, Tito Bonacci thought I hated him. And so to this day, I just tell him I hate him, even though I don't. But I hate him because he, he stiffed us on this, on this podcast. He was supposed to be on this with us. I know he's going to be on later separately, mm-hmm. but he lied to us. And he, yeah, he, deceived, he deceived us. And he wasn't on our original podcast. And I'm a little upset about it. So maybe I do actually hate him. Yeah, you know what, uh, Tito? We love you, but we hate you. Uh, and, but we do look forward to, uh, mostly, mostly hate. We do look forward to getting some of, uh, your knowledge, if we want to call that, although you're never prepared for this pod. My favorite part is that Tito's not going to hear any of this until he goes back and listens to the podcast after. So he's just going to hear us rant about him for a couple minutes later. Uh, but we will be back with Tito, uh, or I guess back, I'll just, I'll just roll right into it. Um, Tito, who we're recording with at separate times because that's how podcasts work and we could edit things together. Uh, Peek behind the curtain. <laughs> um, but Josh, thanks again for, for taking the time to talk with me. Here. Of course, really, of course. I really look forward to listening to um, 
to your podcast or to, to your broadcast rather. podcast on Friday to, to your, to your, well, you know what? I will listen to this broad, uh, podcast on Friday just to psych myself up for the game. Uh, but looking forward to listening to your broadcast. Um, if you haven't checked out Josh's wrestling podcast, it's marks your territory. Um, and you can follow them on Twitter. You can follow Josh on Twitter at Josh Appel. Um, and at smart tweets at smart tweets. Uh, and yeah, this was uh this was a good one. Look forward to the broadcast and uh well, go Knights. Hi. Hey Tito. That was a seamless transition. It's like you uh it's like we didn't go, you know, almost 12 hours before talking to you here. Of course uh, not. Hey man. How how you doing today? Uh I you know, uh I should be excited about this week, but I'm actually I'm um I'm, I'm I'm excited for Thursday, dreading Friday. I'll put it to you that way. All right, that's fair. Yeah, you get to yeah. eat a lot of food. And yeah. uh, the food, the food, hopefully the food coma could just carry you through Friday so that you don't have to watch this game. Uh, I was actually planning on doing as much Black Friday shopping as possible. Just to avoid it. Just to, I don't have to watch To this feel thing. like you actually got a good deal on something as opposed to yeah. what your school's I, getting. As opposed to just having my insides torn out. It, what's funny is that Tito and I were just talking before recording because again, remember this was not an actual seamless transition. This is the magic of editing. And uh, <laughs> we, we were, we were talking about how um, neither of us are really all that motivated to talk smack. And it's super disappointing. Because really, yeah, it's like week three. We were talking smack to each other. Like, Oh, our team's better. Our team's better. Yeah. And now we like actually approached the rivalry game and USF's lost four in a row and UCF just dominated on national TV and is literally for the first time ever getting the respect that everybody's been clamoring for as uh, you know, Tito gets all his text messages. Uh, and, and, or really more, that was just the light going off in everyone's head. Ding, ding, ding. UCF gets respect. Huh? Uh, just <laughs> anyway, all the zingers. Oh the- God, just brutal. It, it, we're recording after midnight. What do you expect? Uh, but, but it's this kind of weird space where we wasted all of our ammunition. You know, Josh was the uh, uh, as a couple of our 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 listeners put it, the closet Bama fan, and then he came in with actual insight on this pod. And Tito and I are just kind of sitting here feeling friendly about things. Um. You know, yeah, USF doesn't know where their school is located. But other than that, like, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I can acknowledge that they own the, the season or the, the, the series victory 6-3. to three. I mean, what have you done for me lately since UCF became a real football school? You know, 3-2 uh, since wait, 2013. Yeah, I'm go for it. Saying, no, like, I'm, I'm so dejected. As a, <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm sitting here while you're spouting all this off and I, and I genuinely want to say something, but like, I'm, I'm so just like so beat up and hurt by this team that I, I don't have any, any ammunition to fire back at you, but let me say, go for it. I, I, you have quickly, you're, this show is sponsored by better help. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fan base has quickly turned from just the USF's rival into the nation's rival. Yeah. And I, I don't know whether I hate it or I love it. Um, right. It's... Like, it's like I'm, so. The reality is UCF, uh, USF. If if we're being if we're being real here, Tito, and it's the so you're feeling this dejection, and you're also feeling the reality of the fact that USF is just too small time for UCF at this point. We're everyone's rival. We don't need to bother with this USF nonsense, you know. And that's what you're feeling. You're just coming to that sort of acceptance of, you know, your school just can't hang. You know, I'm sorry to tell you. I just, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm being stabbed and I, I, I want to do something about it, but I know that the bleeding is just going to be a lot more if I do something about it. So I don't know whether to leave the, the knife in the wound or not right now, Ooh. but I'm going to try my best to remove it <laughs> through rational analysis. <clears throat> Through rational analysis, I love it. it. It almost feels it's like a it's like someone that, that that's tied down, and then there's like a little drip of water just slowly dripping on their head, and it's yeah, just going actually- and going and going, and it's going forever. And that's what this whole season has been like. Because you were sitting here from the very beginning saying that this USF team at seven and zero was a fraud, that right. at seven and zero and ranked twenty third in the nation in the AP poll, this team is a fraud. They're gonna lose. They can't hang with UCF. But I do not think that you expected to go from seven and zero to likely seven and five. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I would actually love. You know, we're on that topic, and and you know, we'll do our our fair share of little zingers here to each other if if we need to. But I'd like I'd like this podcast to be somewhat rational, uh, and I would love to know. You know, I, we didn't get into this with Josh, and I'd like to know. You know, sort of what you. Th- think about this collapse here and what the key issues have been, you know, Josh, Josh touched on things, but what do you think some of the key issues have been overall in this four game skid for USF? Um, well, I think the bell cow this season, as I've said, that thing that I've harped on this entire year and continuously tried to address is just the lack of creativity and diversity in the offense. And, you know, when the season started, it kind of felt like, you know, this was going to be a team that lives off of its defense and, you know, is going to have to play off of turnovers and, you know, make the best of what they can, you know, win games by choking them out defensively. And as the season has progressed, it turns out that the defense is not very good. Right. Now, within the last two weeks, I'd like to say that the defense has, to a, to a, de- to a degree, mm-hmm. maybe slightly Kind yeah, of, you know, they've kind of, they've kind of, I don't want to say they plateaued, but they've normalized in a way that. Yeah, they've come, they've come back to where they were, where there was an extreme negative. They've headed back in the positive direction for sure. Right. Marginally. I'll, I will say that because for the most part, they're still really bad. Um, right. But, we, uh, you know, Josh and I touched on it uh, against the run, especially they've, they've had a lot more success. They held Armstead from Temple. To only 64 yards where he had rushed for 210 and six touchdowns against Houston. So, right. You know, they're, they're, they're at least somewhat in a weird way trending in the right direction, even through this losing streak. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I think the onus really falls on more than anything. It's the offense. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it really is a shame that we have a running back in the caliber of Jordan Cronkite and receivers like Tyree McCants and Randall St. Felix and while early it seemed like, you know, our offense was to a degree, uh, you know, somewhat productive, now it seems like all these guys are just caught in a hamster wheel of doing the same things over and over and over again until they work. And, you know, the perfect example was last week. We're playing Temple, and we go into the game set up 17 nothing at half. And, you know, for most USF fans, you're feeling good because, A, you pitched a shutout for the entire first half at, in Temple, might I add. Right. A good and, team. And, a good team. You, you, right. Yeah, fans and, will acknowledge that's a good team, Temple. Right. And, and I think, you know, most USF fans' expectations was we're going to get our doors blown off. Like, we were going into that game fully expecting a double-digit loss. And I think right. Temple was a double-digit favorite, and they ended up covering. Mm-hmm. Or 
or no, actually, no, they didn't. They ended up missing it, the comeback. It was 10, right. Oh, it was 10? Oh, no, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying they won by 10. Yeah, they won by 10, right. So, um, yeah, I, I think just the struggles come. The, the team is just offensively not what they should be. Blake Barnett, for whatever reason, still looks injured. I feel like, you know, the biggest reports was that last week a lot of people felt like he was still very hurt and he played and he didn't look comfortable. Right, played through which it. Which is a concern going into this week because it, it, it may get worse. Yeah. Um, well, against against UCF defense that finally looked right good on they looked Saturday like they, night. They were really picking up fast. What supposed to be doing right. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you know this USF offensive line continues to show it's an experience. Uh, a lot of young players that continue to make you know freshman mistakes and penalties. Like once again, USF uh, shooting itself in the foot repeatedly with just pre-snap penalties and you know, roughing penalties. and um, It's kind of just been a microcosm of the season was that game. Right. Um, you, you have a strong start, and then the second half finishes, it was absolutely awful, just like the actual season is going. So, um, you know, I, I think for USF, getting back home helps, but there's so many – just so many glaring issues with this team. I, I don't know how they react. It almost feels like – it, it, I don't want to say the locker rooms are at odds, but it almost feels like, like there's not, there's just no confidence coming out of them. Well, and even Charlie Strong said it. I mean, Charlie Strong yeah. literally said UCF is playing with a level of confidence that we simply don't have right now. Uh, and and you talk about going home to Raymond James Stadium, uh, as as good as you might feel about going home. At the same time, uh, I don't know how much of a home field advantage there's really gonna be. It's not. No, there's it's none. It's not gonna there's be a home field advantage. It's not. I, uh, I would honestly expect more. Uh, I wouldn't say expect more of a UCF turnout, but there's it's gonna at be- least fifty-fifty. That's gonna be basically a neutral site game. Uh, right. Yeah. And now there's something about being in what is your home locker room and being in your home city and getting to sleep in your own bed. Obviously, I mean it's it's there's a home field advantage there. It'll, if UCF wins. On the road, it's a road victory, right? But it's right. gonna, it's not gonna be this hostile environment that since he came into last week. No, not by any Um, yeah, it's 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 this weird thing because uh, the buildup last year was a totally different thing, right? Mm-hmm. Last year, USF was the hot team coming into the year. They were the preseason ranked team, right? USF was ranked preseason. Last yes, season. they were ranked sixteen. Yeah, and, and they were ranked higher than UCF was going into this season. Yeah. And, and they had all the hype around them, and they had the dynamic quarterback uh, in Quinton Flowers uh, that had all the hype around him. And, you know, they had their letdown against Houston, but UCF, it was the undefeated season was catching everyone by surprise. Right. Uh, there, was not, there was not the hype to have that. They had been six and seven the year before with relatively the same roster. They all got a little bit older, and – and off, off they went. So that was a, God, who knows who's going to win this game. Thank goodness we have the home field advantage at UCF. And it came down to a kick return for a touchdown. I was looking at the stats earlier. You mentioned Tyree McCants for, for what this offense should be. And, you know, I think back to, to early on in the season when, when you and Josh were talking about um, Blake Barnett and the offense and, and how – he was really executing what Sterling Gilbert's offense was supposed to be. Uh, yeah. But how the, now that's just kind of tragically gone away. But mm-hmm. Irene McCants in that game against UCF last year had nine catches for 227 yards and a touchdown. I mean, yeah. he was, he, and he literally dragged a guy uh, for the touchdown. It was unbelievable. Um, and so as a UCF fan, um, and I said this to Josh earlier in the podcast, but that was so long ago now that I might as well repeat it. Uh, this would have, had it not been USF in terms of what the rivalry is, um, set up for the perfect trap game coming off of college game day, big win at home, feeling yourself short week on the road uh, against a team that you think everything is going wrong for, right? Like right now we feel like USF can't get anything done. Um, yet they still have the athletes. They still have a quarterback that at times can make plays. They can put up yards. Um, and UCF's defense, as great as they looked, it, it's a very different style of offense that they faced in Cincinnati than what they'll face in USF. So, you know, 
they look fast, they look good, they look efficient. But you know, it's not like like USF is going to try to throw the ball against UCF. Yeah. Cincinnati was was trying to pound it, and UCF got up so big that it they no longer had the choice. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I to to your point, like it, it's funny you say that because like I, I think you can ask a USF fan like, mm-hmm. oh, what would be you know USF's plan of attack offensively, and no one can tell you an answer. Yeah, right. And I think that in and of itself kind of that in and of itself kind of speaks to the season and what it's become, which is just, you know, you don't know what type of USF team you're going to get. And for the second half of the year, it's been a really bad one. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just for, for me, it's, you know, like you, you just mentioned, you know, I think what Tyree Canton, Tim Kant's had nine catches for 227 yards right. and a touchdown that game. Uh, this year he has, uh, uh, 604 yards and three touchdowns oh on my the God. season. On the season. So oh. the, the offense is now 54th in the country. Right. And in conference, when they play conference opponents, it's 83rd in the country, Jeez. which it kind of is worse because – Right, well, because they got to put up some some BS stats and points. Right. You UMass. I mean, you, you put up 38 points against UConn. Give up forty, and it, you fail to put up any points up against you know Tulane, who doesn't have a very good defense. So, well, it's it, gonna be it's gonna be a tough test for them because if you look at things overall, and I was looking this up earlier, the the one place where uh, USF could feel good if you're trying to talk yourself into, hey, maybe we can slow down UCF. If you're trying to talk yourself into it. Uh, their rushing defenses, you have one of the worst rushing defenses in college football. Country, yes. Uh, 119th, giving up 231 yards per game. But over the last couple of weeks, that's been better. Right. Right. The passing defense has actually been pretty solid. It's 33rd in the country and only 200 yards per game. Um, Mackenzie Milton against Cincinnati. Um, and this is going to be a quick shout out to Anthony Lenahan. If you guys don't follow him on Twitter, I believe it's just at Anthony underscore Lenahan. He does some deep dive, like analytics, uh, like long form uh, articles on UCF football after each week. And they're incredible. I mean, he's really, really good. Um, and so, but, but he pointed it out on Twitter. Mackenzie Milton on deep passes against Cincinnati completed 100% of his deep passes against Cincinnati. He was, and not only completed them, sorry, was 100% accurate. So it's not that he completed all of them. It was that he was 100% accurate. So there were a couple of plays that were broken up or dropped, but he played outrageously well uh, in execution against Cincinnati. If he doesn't play that sharp, USF does have a stronger pass defense and their rushing defense, which you would think considering UCF has the, a top 10 rushing offense in the country and USF has nearly a bottom 10 rushing defense. You would think UCF's just going to pound it on them and they probably will. But if you're trying to convince yourself USF stands a chance, they've been better as of late. Uh, right, right. I, and something that I, I think I always like to mention when it comes to these games is, you know, a, a perfect example of this to take it out of the USF, UCF, uh, mm-hmm. optics is, you know, the Miami FSU, the Florida, Florida States. Yeah. Those games tend to be, for whatever reason, closer. Now, oh, this is going to be a close game, certainly. Don't. I, don't. I certainly think – I know. I, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, uh, you can't convince me this. And all right. Maybe, maybe, maybe by the end of this, this discussion, uh-huh. we'll, I'll have a better or more positive – how am I the one but, trying to uh, beat the USF fandom? <laughs> How is that where we're at? How did that get to be this place, this place where we're in? Well, no, and this is what I'll say, right? Like, it, for whatever reason, when, when kids of these caliber tend to match up, mm-hmm. um, the, the talent always rises to the top, you know, and, and it gets competitive, and you can, get, you can find yourself in a game in the fourth quarter. I think that the difference being – and you know, it's lame to say it, but it's true. It's just the coaching. Like, right. you know, one side has better coaches than the other, typically. 
And I think it's very evident that the UCF coaching staff is far more advanced than the USF one. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in, which in, is crazy because this is their first year as a staff. Right. Yeah. You know, incredible that, and, and, and that's true. Attesting to, to Josh Heupel. Josh Heupel. <laughs> is, it, is it Josh? It's Josh Heupel. Yeah. Heupel, Believe right. the hype, bro. Oh, okay. Believe All the right. hype. All right. Consider that my first UCF shot. I mispronounced your coach's last name. All right, that's fine. Um, um, uh, At least I didn't pull out the the literal Charlie Weak instead uh, of Charlie Strong. I've seen people do that on Twitter. It's lame. Stop it. It is lame. Yeah, I, just stop. Yeah. No yeah. one's good. I have one thing to say about this rivalry, and we have an entire podcast, and then I'll let you go back into your thing. Yeah. We have an entire podcast dedicated to the rivalry. Uh this is the worst shit talking rivalry that's ever existed. <laughs> and it's like, I know we're young. It's a young rivalry. It's hilarious because on Twitter, this rivalry really exists because the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl tweeted out polls yeah. uh, ranking rivalries one through 16 and was like trying to have like a matchup. Like, hey, what's the best rivalries? And this was the 16 seed and the one was Auburn, Alabama. And this rivalry won their poll. And That's moved on to the next round because we all exist on Twitter. And I appreciate that. And the hashtags are great and some of it. But gosh darn it, I am just <laughs> I am I am it's it's blasphemous how bad this is when these are two of the better football teams of the state now. Like, guys, get your stuff together. Let's go. Let's get angry. And and I am one to talk. We're sitting here having a wonderfully casual conversation <laughs> and not doing any of it. And I am not good at insults, but we gotta we gotta step this up. If the football is gonna step up, we gotta step up on the on the actual hatred. Right, and 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 look, I'll I'll put it to you this way: like, yeah, I like I think you and I both wish that USF was at a better place because oh, so this bad. Mean, this mean it would mean so much more, and like, yeah, all this could it's be irrelevant. Yeah, all yeah, all it could be either is UCF handles business like they should, yep. or it's by some miracle USF ends the this Cinderella story that is right and then you become insufferable yeah and yeah and then and then i and then i tweet for three days yeah um but um, on another note to add yeah going um, back go sorry going back to hypo we're going back to hypo credit to him he's he's been fantastic this year and 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 i do think that he deserves credit because he you know it's one thing for a coach to inherit a team that did did something incredible the year before and to not really tinker with it too much. And it's another to actually go out and do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, a lot of people thought that USF was going to do that when they, when strong inherited tiger team. And he decided to bring in the same staff that essentially got him fired at Texas, which yeah. has been, you know, the main issue with USF fans and this, this program right now, which is where it's at. Um, that being said though, I, I, I just always think that, when these types of players meet on the football field, you can find yourself in a game in the fourth quarter. It can be oh, yeah. a one-score game. It can be a two-score game. And, you know, one certain thing happens and everything goes bananas. So right. um, I'm, I'm excited about I'm, – I'm excited, one, for to, to see how, you know, USF comes out and prepares. And I'm, I'm also interested to see if, you know – uh, Sterling Gilbert was asked if they're going to throw the kitchen sink, which God knows what the kitchen sink could be for Sterling Gilbert. You know? Right. You know, maybe a couple less HP dives. No, it just means it's all HP dives. Yeah. Joke just on all you. HP dives. That's Joke all on you. It's only running up the middle. <laughs> right. He's literally running up into the kitchen sink. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's a game that for on paper looks awful, but, mm-hmm. you know, once it, once it steps in, in between the lines, uh, for USF's sake, like you said, Mackenzie Milton makes an, an errant throw. You get somehow a 10-0 lead, and you can kind of rest on your defense in that certain right. sense. Granted, the defense has been putrid this year for the most right. part. And, and UCF is number six in scoring and <laughs> right. and is but averaging thirty point, over 30 points a game. I'm, They've scored over 30 points a game scenario. in every single game during this 23-game win streak. But I agree. You're not wrong. <laughs> It, it would take it, – it, the thing is, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but no, I, I want to ask you what, what your keys would be, and you were getting there, so I, I apologize for interrupting. But 
what we have to just acknowledge is that this would take some form of of miracle uh Ooh, not yeah. that and it's not it that that is not to insult usf as much as it is to say where these teams are at going into this game are just mm-hmm. polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms Absolutely. of confidence in terms of creativity on both mm-hmm. sides of the ball in right. terms of which direction they're trending and so at the beginning of the year these teams were a lot felt a lot closer uh and in terms of literal talent on the field it's the thing that we've seen here in the college football playoff rankings which we'll get to in a second but like ohio state top to bottom through their third and fourth teamers is more talented than UCF. UCF's the better team. So in this realm, in this existence, in what we have going on with UCF and USF, these two teams are basically even in terms of the talent and in terms of, you know, what, what they should be. be and right. so they're just on the opposite ends of where that talent can go at the moment. And so with that, it feels like it's going to take a miracle with UCF having won 23 in a row and tripping over their shoelaces and scoring 30. How's, UC, how's USF going to outscore UCF? So it might be a shootout early, right. but it just feels like it, it, this, this game really has like, 45 31 written all over it you know right and and i and 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 i agree with that this this could be a game that you know the scoreboard says something but if you watch the actual game right different right however and i'm going to yeah i'd like to get your keys to victory for usf yeah so i'm gonna put on my usf hat right now do it my usf colored glasses too in the in in two specific years in 2013 Mm -hmm. and 2016 this was similar situations right um, 2013 UCF's first perfect season um well not per- not quite perfect but didn't they beat Baylor in the yeah they did but they lost to South Carolina earlier in the year so oh, they man. went 12 and 1 but yes okay. so 12 and 1 BCS BCS win yeah right. that was right right and at the end of the BCS era I believe US UCF only won only beat USF by like like a touchdown? No, it was a close game. It was a very close game. It was when UCF was wearing the single ugliest jerseys in the history of college football. It was the, the ugly the piss yellow. Gold, yeah, the piss yellow yeah. top with the black pants and the helmet that had the big gold stripe down the middle of the black helmet. It was awful. It was awful. It would come a long way in your uniforms. Let oh, me my God. That's the best part about this program, honestly. The evolution where people – when people ask me, uh, what was the biggest, you know, the biggest key to the glow up? I talk about the uniforms. It's the first thing I think about. Straight up. <laughs> I'm not, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I am, I get more obsessed with UCF's uniforms than most things in, in this world. Um, for, for my USF colored glasses, right? Yeah, uh, let's, let's get there. 20, that 2013 game was closer than people imagined. I yeah. believe Bills threw three picks in that game. Mm-hmm. And, and in 2016, when USF won and they were, you know, in their on their two-year run that they had, um, I, I believe was horrendous. That, game was, that game was within two scores as well, and mm-hmm. it was it wasn't it was a late Dearness Johnson touchdown that pulled, put USF up by 14 to seal the game, and then I think players got into it after on the field. Of course, whatever the case may be, um, I feel like, you know. These games, rivalry games, like we always say, tend to be closer than a lot of people expect. Now, it, it, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take USF getting pressure in the backfield, something yeah. that, for the most part, they've done a decent job at. Uh, Kirk Livingston and Jawan Brown have been uh, some, some good notes on the defensive line. Um, and I, I think, like you mentioned, the secondary has athletes that, can you know at least hold their own for the time being uh, against UCF's receivers? But at, at, at what rate is going to be the question? Because right. you said it, and I think everybody knows UCF's offense moves at the speed of light, and there's no time to you know make a mistake. It's you're there, you're not, and if not, UCF makes you pay. Offensively, I for USF, it might be a thing where you want to limit how often UCF's offense is on the field. They can't score if their offense is literally not on the field. So 
if that takes, you know, punching it up the gut, making sure you get these first downs and milking the clock, then by all means do so, but do so effectively. Yeah. That's the worry. And exactly. And then that's what goes back to my point. What is the identity of this offense? Are we trying to be a physical bruiser? Are we trying to light up the scoreboard? Because I don't, like you, I don't think USF can win in a shootout. How sad is that that you're asking that question on the last week of the year? Right. You know, like what's I, our offensive identity? And no, it, it it is it's it's an indictment of the offensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. um and, and I'll say this because I you know I don't like to to get into too much rumors and whatnot, but I, I truly believe from everything that I've been told that this is gonna be Sterling Gilbert's last year USF. I've you know, I, I, from what I've understood, there is somewhat of a an internal conflict with what he wants versus what Strong wants, and I, I I think I find it hard that both Charlie Strong and this new athletic director Michael Kelly, who's you know kind of the athletic director that USF's been looking for, want to really embrace the program. Um, I think it's going to be hard for them to look at this team and Sterling Gilbert not be part of the issue. Insert eye emojis here. You're right. Yes. I'm going to go out on record and say that I I do believe this will be Sterling Gilbert's final war on I-4 game. And when that happens, Tito will rejoice. Oh, my God. We will pop champagne. I tweeted at him again. I tweeted at him again. (laughs) He's lost it. I I can't remember the exact tweet, but I believe I told him, you're a putrid offensive coordinator. (laughs) And – I have yet to get a response. Yeah, uh, I'm shocked. I'm he shocked that he hasn't responded. Believe it or not, he hasn't tweeted since we were seven now. Imagine that. Is it? Um, are you serious? Really? Literally has not tweeted since we were seven now. That's uh, hilarious. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. So, I, I think for USF, it's, it's literally going to have to be the perfect storm. Yeah. And I just – I really want to say I, – I, I want to say I think it can happen. I just think it's going to be – really freaking tough like all right so that's hot that said on and i'll give the quick ucf keys uh just keep being the best team in the country just keep doing it um that's my key no um uh, the big thing with ucf is if if they're gonna win this game it's just continue to be good on the on the um at forcing turnovers and then keeping the ball safe so they're the number two team in the country in terms of turnover margin Mm -hmm. um you know, they, I think they're plus 16 in turnover margin. Uh, last year, they were a top five team in turnover margin as well. They don't turn the ball over and they force a ton of them. Um, defensively, as weird as it's been, man, uh, and as bad as it's been, um, but that was under uh, Shenander last year and under Randy Shannon this year. Uh, these teams give up a lot of yards and a lot of chunk plays, but somehow when ne- when necessary every time you're like man we could really use a turnover it happens um and you know the, i don't know what what goes into scheming there i am not uh, adept enough when it comes to coaching the defensive side of the football to really know why that is but um you know usf is not uh usf is prone to i believe they're literally at zero in terms of turnover margin they forced the same amount of turnovers as they have uh, had themselves. And so that's normally where games are won. UCF's really good at it. USF is average. Um, and I think as long as that, that doesn't go USF's way, I don't see a way in which USF ends up outplaying UCF. Like, I think the way that they're rolling, uh, even if the defense – you know, coming off of the high of last week doesn't really shut down USF. I just don't think USF's defense is going to have enough to shut down McKenzie Milton and company. Um, so as long as they, you know, uh, last week, I really loved the way they used Adrian Killens. Um, it was the first time all year I've been begging for this, that they stop just running him up the middle and they get on the ball in space. And they did last week, finally, and he looked electric. Um, I hope that the offense, that was the best executed offensive game I've seen from this team, uh, besides the first two possessions, which were a strip sack for a fumble and a touchdown <laughs> and a three and out. Uh, but if you look at the rest of the game, I mean, they executed things flawlessly. And so if they just keep, I mean, really, I hate to say like, ah, just keep things rolling. But 
yeah. don't change anything, man. Just keep yeah, yeah. the way you're doing it. Um, you know, yeah. clearly these guys have have a control of of this team, and I just can't get over the fact that under two completely different coaching staffs, with uh, the spiritual leader of your team and Shaquem Griffin leading is leaving as well, like, and and a stud NFL wide receiver in Traquan Smith. So like a number, like a legitimate NFL wide receiver that was your number one, your starting tight end who's catching passes, your backup tight end who's also catching passes, uh, a corner who was drafted in the first round, and then the spiritual leader of your defense. They all left along with your entire coaching staff. You bring in a new coaching staff and you're still undefeated. And it's just, it's remarkable, man. It's crazy. Like, I don't care who these kids are playing. They're smoking everyone. And it's just mm-hmm. it's amazing. Um, and so I guess, so I'll ask you real quick for your, uh, prediction for the game. I'll give mine and then we'll wrap this up with just a quick reaction to the college football playoff rankings and wrap things up. And then I guess, I mean, we'll do a pod next week just so I can laugh at you after we win. Um, but we'll yeah. figure it out from there, I guess. Or we can, we can, we can do a pod on what bowl game UCF goes to. Yeah, we could also do that. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll have fun. This isn't over. Maybe but... not just the laughing part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I got I got USF 41, and then I've got UCF 36. 36. Okay. I'm picking us to win because I'd be a fraud if I didn't. Because you have no choice. I, yeah, I have, I, yeah, I'm back into a corner here. What am I going to do? Um, uh-huh. I got UCF with three turnovers, USF with one turnover. Okay. And, and I got – uh, I got me going off on Twitter on everybody. Okay. Uh, but that, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's what I got. I'm going to go just for the heck of it. Uh, UCF. Screw it. 52. USF 17. Just complete domination. UCF hasn't. I was pointing this out earlier on Twitter. UCF has not run it up once this year. Be fun to do that this week. Yeah, when Washington State's throwing the ball up sixty, that <laughs> ridiculousness. UCF should do that once in a while. Um, that said, uh, thank you all for listening to this just absolute mayhem of a podcast this week. Uh, Ethan, as you post this, I doubt you're listening to any of it, uh, but thank you for letting us post this this podcast that's over an hour and making it free and accessible to all of the. Wonderful listeners of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Um, check out Swings and Mishes today as well, uh, because Craig and Mish will have some really interesting Marlins news. I think you guys uh, will definitely be uh, interested to listen to. Um, and hey, go Knights. Hey, go Bulls. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.